0: Good morning, my name is Lisa Carter and it is my privilege to pray for us this morning. Let's bow our heads before the Lord. Dear gracious Heavenly Father, we praise you for you are a God of strength and a mighty source of power. We come before you this morning asking you to reveal yourself and empower us with your grace and mercy. Let us set aside time for you, Lord, making our relationship with you a priority. Let us choose you first today, O holy God, blessing you with our attention. Let us center our hearts in your presence now, keeping our minds focused on you. And let us wrap ourselves in the light of your word, standing and declaring your truth. And as we continue our series this morning, Father, would you remind us to seek you first rather than man? Would you remind us to come to you boldly? laying our petitions at your feet. Would you remind us to come with confidence, waiting with faith-filled expectation? And would you remind us to come to you in humility, fearfully exalting you above all? Through your Holy Spirit, Father, leave us breathless, captivate us, enlighten us, and shape us. Take our hand and show us the way according to your will. And it is in the mighty name of Jesus we pray. Amen.
1: I'm feeling led to declare this over you this morning. No weapon formed against you shall prosper. I don't know who this is for, but I feel this heavy in my spirit this morning. We're just saying that he's the God of the mountain and he's the God of the valley. And somebody in this room needs to hear this today. No weapon formed against you shall prosper. No weapon. No discouragement. No disappointment. I don't know what the weapon is for you, but I'm feeling led in this moment to declare to somebody in this room, no weapon formed against you shall prosper. Amen. Amen. You may be seated. Good morning, everybody. Happy Sunday. Thank you for being with us today, and thank you... To Lisa for praying for us this morning. And thank you, Lisa, for also being such a warm and welcoming presence on our campus every Sunday. Special welcome to those of you who are joining us for the first time. My name is Rodney. I'm one of the pastors here at New City. We're grateful you chose to spend today with us. We are now entering into week three of our sermon series, Let Us Pray. And I hope that it's been as much of a blessing to you as it has been for me so far. I'm enjoying our journey together. In 1952, Albert Einstein was asked a question from a Princeton doctoral student, and the question was this. What is there left in the world for original dissertation research? To which Albert Einstein answered, find out about prayer. Somebody must find out about prayer. And so over the last couple of weeks, we've been been talking through and processing that question, what is prayer? We've been talking about that over the last couple of weeks. We mentioned at the start of the series, and we'll mention it throughout, that prayer is about relationship. Prayer is about relationship. Prayer is our conversation with God. You may remember a quote we shared by David Paulison that says, prayer is meant to be The conversation where your life meets your God. Prayer is meant to be the conversation where your life meets your God. Philip Yancey says that prayer is about two things. Prayer is inviting myself into God's life. Prayer is also inviting God into my life. Now, related to that, I love to use the word story. I like the word story. So for me, through prayer, I am inviting myself into God's story, and I'm inviting God into my story because it's all connected, right? It's all connected. Your life and my life, they're meant to be a beautiful love story of redemption, restoration, and renewal made possible through a relationship with Christ. And prayer not only helps us to realize that, but it also helps us to live our lives in response to that. Prayer helps us to live our lives in a way that reflects this beautiful love story in the midst of a lost, confused, hurting, and a dying world. A world in need of love, direction, hope, and peace. Prayer is essentially the convergence of two running questions. The first question being, who is God? A.W. Tozer says, the the most important thing about you is the first thought you think when you think about God. And the second question is, who am I? Who am I?" I? Mentioned this last week, but we talked about the fact that prayer is where we find out more about who God is and more about who we are. But it's interesting that one of the things that many of us hate the most, conflict, is one of the very things that helps to bring clarity to both of those questions. Who is God and who am I? I'll share this in more detail next month as I share a bit of my story, but it was in one of the toughest seasons of my life that I learned the most about who God is, and who I am. In other words, the conflict in my life at the time forced me to my knees in ways that the conveniences in my life could never do. And if we're honest, there are many times when we're confused about either who God is or where God is in our situations and in our circumstances. And many of us are confused about who we are because we're confused We've confused who we are with what we've done or what we've been through. Need to remind you this morning that prayer is the place where we can come with all of that confusion. We can bring all of that confusion. We talked about prayer being the place where we can come messy. We don't have to come polished or perfect. In fact, C.S. Lewis said, in prayer... We must lay before him what is in us, not what ought to be in us. I love that quote. And last week we looked at the Lord's Prayer as we talked more about what prayer is. And it's interesting as we begin to dive into our message today, it's interesting that Luke records the narrative of the Lord's Prayer right before this familiar story that you may be uh, familiar with in Luke chapter 10. Verses 38 through 42, he goes, Jesus is going to visit Mary and Martha. He's going to visit Mary and Martha, and and him and his disciples are continuing in to Jerusalem, and they come to this village where they meet Martha, and Martha welcomes them into her home. And her sister Mary sits at the Lord's feet listening to what he taught. But Martha, if you remember the story, she is distracted by the dinner that she's preparing and all the things that she's doing, And she comes to Jesus and she says, Lord, doesn't it seem unfair to you that my sister just sits here while I do all the work? Tell her to come. Tell her to come and help. Now, let me pause and say this. Where I'm from, we call that a tattletale. (laughs) Martha is the tattletale. How many of you were were the tattletale with a snitch in your family? Yeah, somebody in this room. Was, was the snitch. Now, now, y'all don't tell my wife, I told y'all this, but y'all know that Jacqueline is one of nine. So Jacqueline was the tattletale in her family. Now, this is between us now. She was the tattletale in her family. She was the snitch. Now, Jacqueline is number six of nine. And so Jacqueline's parents had three girls and six boys. So they got into all kinds of things, particularly the boys. They got into all kinds of things. So it's interesting to me today to hear her siblings tell the story of how Jacqueline was such a tattletale. And I love it. They would say whenever they were cutting up, they would look at Jacqueline and she'd be standing like this, (laughs) tapping her foot. And the only thing she would say is, "Mm mm-hmm, I'm telling. (laughs) And so we see that happening here with Martha. But watch this. Here's what Jesus says to Martha in verses 41 and 42. Here's, here's his response to her. The scripture says, but the Lord said to her, my dear Martha, you are worried and upset over all these details. There is only one thing worth being concerned about. Mary has discovered it, and it will not be taken away from her. Now watch this. Martha was busy, but Mary was present. Martha was busy, but Mary was present. And this reminds me so much of how I live. So much of how we live because sometimes we become so busy, we become so concerned with Christian activities and the troubles of this life that we forget to be attentive to Christ. We forget to be attentive to what it is that God is doing. Because in the midst of everything that's going on, what I'm learning that even in all of that, God is still working. And so right after this story, in Luke chapter 10, at the beginning of Luke chapter 11, verse 1, the scripture says that Jesus was praying in a certain place. And as he finishes praying, one of his disciples comes to him and he says, teach us how to pray. Teach us to pray. And so as we continue to talk about prayer today, I want to start with this question. How does God answer prayer? How does God answer prayer? Now, I want to I give this a disclaimer. Like We're not going to get super deep with this this morning. I heard a pastor say a couple days ago that God answers prayer through ideas and people, right? But, but my focus this morning is, is more generally speaking, right? How does God answer prayers? The first way he answers prayers is with a yes, right? The first way that God answers our prayers is with a yes. Let me show you 1 John uh, chapter 5, verses 13 through 15. They say this, I have written this to you who believe in the name of the Son of God so that you may know you have eternal life. Now I need you to lock into verse 14. Sit up, get your back straight, lean forward. Verse 14, This is we talked about this last week. He says, and we are confident that he hears us whenever we ask for anything that pleases him. He says we are confident that he hears us. How many of us are confident that God hears us when we pray? That struck me when I read this. How many of us are confident? He says we're confident that he hears us whenever we ask for anything that pleases him. What pleases him? What pleases him? His kingdom, right? His will being done on earth as it is in heaven. Verse 15 says, and since we know he hears us when we make our requests, we also know that he will give us what we ask for. I don't know about you but this is this is what I'm after. I'm after being confident when I pray knowing that God hears me and not only that God hears me but since I'm asking for anything according to his will I know that he'll give me what I ask. Friday morning 2 days ago I was praying about a potentially disappointing situation. Um I had plans made plans for a certain thing a long time ago and something has recently happened something has recently happened and it's making it look like now that those plans won't happen and so I'm praying about this on Friday morning and I'm trying to remember what I talked about right relationship and reverence i'm trying to I'm trying to practice what I preach right and so as i'm as I'm praying this I say to God I know what my plans are I know what my plans are, but what is your will? I know what I've planned. I know what I've put resources towards. I know what I'm looking forward to, but God, what is is your will? Right after I asked the question, a thought came to mind. I believe it was God. Right after I asked the question, a thought came to mind, and the thought was this. What if the thing that caused you, that's causing you to be disappointed, was meant to get you to depend on me? What if the thing that's causing you to be disappointed is meant to get you to depend on me? What if it's it's meant to get you to trust me? See, because I was disappointed, I am disappointed, I was trying to figure out how to manipulate and change my plans. When I'm realizing now that what God is getting me, trying to get me to do, is rather than change my plans, he's trying to get me to choose to trust him trying to get me to choose to trust him. Now, I can tell you today, with all honesty, I'm still not 100% sure what God's will is for this situation. Still not 100% sure. I don't know. As of right now today, I don't know. I am still disappointed. I'm still hoping that things work out the way that I intend, the way that I plan. But I'm realizing more and more that that's not the point. I'm realizing that that's not the point. The point is not to trust him to work out our situations in the way we want him to. The point is, is that no matter how the situation works out, no matter what situation I find myself in, the point is, is that I would trust him, period, full stop. The point is that I would trust him. This is his ultimate will for each of us that we would trust him. And so as I'm talking to the Lord about this on Friday morning, I I had this thought and I had this realization. And it literally changed my perspective. Now, while I still would like for my plans to go through, God met me where I was. He met me where I was. And he reminded me that it's a privileged position to be able to depend on him and to trust in him as opposed to begging for my will To be done. But now listen to this. All this made possible by an invitation. All of this made possible by asking God, What is your will? All of it made possible by following what Jesus taught when He taught us how to pray. He taught us to surrender and to submit. And as much as my heart's desire is for my plans, I'm learning to give God my heart and give him my plans in exchange for his will. So God answers prayers with a yes sometimes, but I'm realizing that God answers prayer, more prayers, with a yes than we realize. God answers more prayers with yes than many of us realize. Only God may answer it in a different way than you asked. God answers yes, but it shows up packaged in purpose rather than preference. This is what I'm learning. When I moved to Charlotte, my prayer was for greater fulfillment, was for greater fulfillment. I mentioned some of this last week, and when I, while I didn't get the full-time job with the Christian organization that I talked about last week, While I didn't get that job, that full-time job, I did get a six-week seasonal assignment with them. Now, while I was mad that instead of getting the full-time job, I got a six-week assignment and I talked to God about it, we had a conversation about it, we did. You ever had that kind of conversation with God? I said that, I'm good enough, this, this is what I did right here. I'm good enough To get a six-week assignment, but not the full-time job? Now, while I was mad about that, what I didn't know was that through all of that, God was answering my prayers. Just not in the same way that I asked. He was answering my prayers, not in the same way that I asked. Because it was in that seasonal assignment that I met the person who would eventually introduce me to a church called New City. I'm going to share more of that story in a few weeks. But even through all of that, I was mad at God. I was mad at God, mad at God, and he's answering my prayers. He's working all things out for my good. So God answers with a yes, sometimes differently than we ask. But God also answers with a no, doesn't he? God also answers with a no. I'll mention this, you know this, love withholds for our benefit. Love often withholds things for our benefit. Let me make it clear. Parents, don't you do this with your children? You withhold things that they want. They kick, they cry, they scream, they want it, but you withhold it for their benefit. And sometimes, some of God's greatest gifts are unanswered prayer. Some of God's greatest gifts Is the things that he doesn't allow us to get. I'm sure you could probably think of many times when you prayed, you you went on a fast, and you believed God for certain things, only for God to say no. Some of us need to learn to accept the blessing of no. Some of us need to learn to accept that blessing. But that's where trust comes in, right? That's where trust comes in. Because you never know what that no from God is protecting you from. You never know. You never know what that no from God is keeping you from. I'm realizing this now as I stand in the midst of what's somewhat disappointing to me. I don't know what God could be keeping me from. Or it could be that what we pray for, while it it may be good, maybe God wants to give you his best. Maybe that's why God says no, because he wants to give you his best. So while I was disappointed with What seemed like a no from God years ago, God was preparing me for his best. He was preparing me for you. Not just his best for me or his best for you, but ultimately what's best for his kingdom. So love withholds for our benefit. God also says no if it's not in line with his will, doesn't he? We talked about this last week. When Jesus prayed in the garden, let this cup pass from me. Nevertheless, not my will, but your will be done. God essentially said no to Jesus in the garden. He essentially said no. But Jesus, as a part of his prayer, he prayed, God, this is what I want, but I want more than that, your will to be done. C.S. Lewis said, for most of us, the prayer in Gethsemane, is the only model. Removing mountains can wait. For some of us the prayer in the garden is the only model. God, what is your will? What is your will? What do you want from me? A lot of times we assume we know what God what God's will is, right? A lot of times we assume that. Oh, this is a good thing. Why wouldn't God? Why wouldn't God want us to do this? I'll never forget years ago when I was church planting in Maryland, God dealt with me about this. I shared this before. We were going to do something as simple as an anniversary celebration service. We were preparing for it, and everybody was excited. God stopped in the middle of that. I never never said do that. I never told you to have an anniversary service. Where Where did you get that from? It's not a bad idea to celebrate the anniversary, but I never told you to do that. That's when God began to deal with me with good versus necessary. See, we often want what's good when God wants to give us what's necessary. What was necessary for that church at the time was a healing service. What was necessary for me me to get down and wash the members' feet. That's what was necessary. And it was transformative in the life of our church. That's why it's important for you and I to pray and ask God, what is his will? I love what James says in chapter 4, verses 1 through 3. It says, what is causing the quarrels and fights among you? Don't they come from the evil desires that war within you? You want what you don't have, so you scheme and kill to get it. You are jealous of what others have, but you can't get it, so you fight and wage war to take it away from them. Yet you don't have what you want because you don't ask God for it. And even when you ask, you don't get it because your motives are all wrong praying religious prayers you want only what will give you pleasure we talked about this last week religious prayers are more centered around self than they are god even a good thing at the wrong time cause god to respond with a no or wait so sometimes god answers with a yes other times god answers with a no, and sometimes God answers with a wait. Tom Petty had a song out that says waiting is the hardest part, right? But what I'm learning is that waiting time is never wasted time with God. Waiting time is never wasted time with God. Please believe that while we are waiting, God is working. While we are waiting, God is working. And the most important work he wants to do is in you. We're so focused with wanting God to work out our situations and our circumstances. But God wants to do the work in us. We see that in Paul, right? When he begged God three times, God, get this thorn thorn out of my flesh. Take it away from me. God never changed the situation, did he? Never changed the circumstance. But what did change was Paul's perspective, right? He went from begging God three times, get this off of me, get this out of me, To God, I'm grateful. His posture changed from give me to glory. God, I glorify you in this. And I don't know about you, but that's my story. While I was waiting for God related to greater fulfillment, he was preparing me to receive what I had been praying for. He was preparing me for you. Again, I'm going to share this story in detail. We're going to laugh. We're going to cry together. God took your boy through some things to get me ready for you. (laughs) Took me through some things. But sometimes that's what the no and that's what the wait is for. So that God could prepare us for the very thing that we've been praying for. John chapter 6. John chapter 6, verse 16. I love this story. It's a familiar story when Jesus walks on the water to come to the disciples. Verse 16 says this. That evening, Jesus' disciples went down to the shore to wait for him. But as darkness fell and Jesus still hadn't come back, so it's dark and they're waiting. They're waiting on God and it's dark, waiting on Jesus and it's dark. They got into the boat and they headed across the lake to Capernaum. Soon a gale, strong wind, swept down upon them and the sea grew very rough. They had rowed three or four miles when suddenly they saw Jesus walking on the water toward the boat. They were terrified, but he called out to them, don't be afraid, I am here. Then they were eager to let him in the boat, and immediately, immediately they arrived at their destination. This, this is such a good picture of what we do in prayer. It was dark. It was dark. For some of us right now, we're in some dark, disappointing, and discouraging situations. It was dark. And Jesus hadn't come to them yet. They were waiting for him. So what do they do? They decide to take off without him. Just like many of us do. We're praying and we're waiting for God. God doesn't show up when we think he should. We take off. We take off without him. Without divine direction. Without instruction from God. We take off. We do what we want to do. We do what we think is good. We do what we think is best. And while they were in the middle of the lake, a storm came. Inevitably, storms come. But we see a picture of the faithfulness of God and the fact that he met them in the storm. In spite of the fact that they took off without him, he met them in the storm. And watch what happens. The scripture that we just read said immediately they arrived at their destination. Now for some context, the sea was about seven miles wide. They were three or four miles in, so they were about halfway. The storm comes, And Jesus meets them in the middle of the storm. Now watch this. When Jesus showed up, the scripture says, in a moment, in a moment, he did for them what what would have taken them hours. In one moment, Jesus did for them what would have taken them hours. Scripture says, immediately, they arrived at their destination. And he does the same thing for us. What takes us, what takes us hours to do in our own effort. This, this is the power This is the power of prayer. When we invite God into our stories, when we step into his story, God can do in a moment what would take us a lifetime to do. In fact, he specializes in doing that. But this is the power of inviting God in. And so when I invited God into, into this, this disappointment that, that, that I'm feeling, when I invited God in, he reminded me that this is, this is a privileged position because I get to depend on Him. And so as I close, why pray? Why pray? And this is our bottom line today. Because God has something better. God has something better. So I'm going to invite you now to stand as we read our foundational text for today. It's found in Hebrews. Chapter 11, verses 39 and 40. Hebrews 11: 39 and 40 should also be on the <clears throat> app for you along with the sermon outline. But as we close, I need you to get this picture related to prayer. Hebrews 11:39 says this: "All these people earned a good reputation because of their faith, Yet none of them received all that God had promised." For God had something better in mind for us so that they would not reach perfection without us. You may be seated. I need you to hear this as we close this message. What this this text is talking about, Hebrews chapter 11, many of you know, is about our great examples of faith, our heroes of faith. That's what chapter 11 is about. It talks about people like Abraham, Isaac, Jacob, Noah, our heroes of the faith. But in the text we just read, it says that none of them, none of them received all that God had promised, for God had something better in mind for us, so that they would not reach perfection without us. So listen, all of us in this room, we're praying for various things, we're praying for family, praying for friends, we're praying for our government, we're praying for work, we're praying for health, we're praying for all kinds of things. And so I want you to be encouraged today. Because when God says no or wait, that can be hard. It can be tough. Jacqueline and I believe believing God for some things, and it's been hard. It's been tough. God, where are you? What do you do This has been our prayer for so long. Where are you? It's difficult. It's hard. I know. I live it. When you're not sure what God is doing, whether he's saying no or whether God is saying wait. But I want you to be encouraged because all these people in scripture that we admire, though they had great faith, they were waiting for the Messiah. They were preaching the Messiah, they were waiting for the promise of the new covenant, yet they never physically got to see it. They never physically got to see it. But God had a purpose in that. We just read it, because he has something better. So I want you to be encouraged today. If you're waiting, or maybe like me, you're disappointed, well, it seems like a no, or well, what seems like a wait, God has something better for you. In fact, God has his best for you. But here's what I'm learning. Is that regardless of what the better is that I'm praying for or that I'm waiting on, the ultimate better, hear this, the ultimate better that he has for me and that he has for you is the one thing that will never fade. And that's the promise of his presence he said I'll never leave you nor forsake you and God is teaching me to embrace that as the better because the truth is I don't know how situations gonna work out I don't know if I'm ever gonna get the better that I'm praying for but what I'm reminded of and want to remind you of because though God gives great gifts to his children the greatest gift has already been given. His greatest gift to you, His greatest gift to me has already been given. Embrace it. There's something better. The something better died on the cross. The something better took on our sin. And the something better wants to meet you in your circumstance. Amen? Be encouraged. God has great things in store for you. I want you to step into the greater that God has by embracing the greatest gift of all, and that's Jesus Christ. Let's pray together. God our Father, thank you for how you answer our prayers. Sometimes with yes, sometimes with no. Sometimes with a weight. We ask, God, that you would help us to remember that through it all, you are sovereign, God. And what we might think is good, ultimately, you know what's best. So, God, we come to you today messy. We come to you confused. We come to you disappointed. We come to you discouraged. Help us to exchange all of that for the better that you have for us. Thank you, Father, that you give good gifts to your children. Help us to embrace the greatest gift of all in your Son, Jesus Christ. Lift up the head that is hung low today, God. Revive the Spirit. Yourself in the middle of our situations, in the middle of our circumstances. And as we wait, help us allow you to do your work in us. What a privilege it is to depend on you. In Jesus' name.